Hello, everybody, and welcome to Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Today, I want to welcome you to the secret life of Stu Bittman. Um, his name kept popping up all over the place, and I was like, I have to, I have to learn a little bit more. I want to know what he's doing. He's doing some really cool things. He has spent um, 40 years in chiropractic and total practicing, 24 years. Um, 12 of those with a box on the wall, which I know totally controversial or popular topic. I know it gets thrown around a lot. So I'm curious about that. Well, I'm sure it will come up in today's conversation. Um, he's also been coaching, speaking, leading workshops. Uh, he's spent 15 years learning, traveling, speaking, and teaching alongside the great chiropractic leaders such as um, Jim Sigafus, and uh, since then he has brought his own unique brand of wisdom and love to the chiropractic world. I definitely think that what he's doing and how he's teaching chiropractic uh, is so unique, which is why I have him on this show. Um, in addition to everything I mentioned, he is also a super popular speaker at Cairo Europe and Nate Summit in uh, Australia. He's um, also the creator of Chiropractic from the Heart Workshops. Um, he also does a weekly podcast called Stew on This and That, which is pretty cool. And uh, sharing his wisdom and his life experiences. So thank you so much for being here, Stu. I'm super excited to get to know you today. I am super excited to get to know you too. Yeah, sounds, like a busy, sounds like a busy guy. Yeah, I know. You've got a lot yeah. going on. So... Um, <laughs> I'm curious, you, I mean, you have, you sound, seem, and from what I understand, super heart-centered mm -hmm. and um, have a very unique approach to chiropractic and to the things that you are teaching than anything else that I have seen out there. Usually like with, especially like with the practice management groups and things like that, that exist out there, it's what you have branded yourself is really different, which is why I have you on the show now. Before you got to this place, this this uh, place of amazingness, um, who were you? Like, what was your childhood like? Who were you as a kid? What was your personality like? What was your family structure like? And how did all of that play into all the great things that you are? Hmm. God, what a good question. I... <sighs> Who was I? I had a fairly happy, actually quite a happy childhood. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up in New York City and felt loved by my parents. And uh, I know, sounds like a weird story these days, but I, I, I guess I overcame all that. <laughs> anyway, um, my mother tells me my first favorite toy was a, was a baby carriage and, and a doll that I used to wheel around in it. So, and when I was a toddler, so apparently um, there was something in me that was all about nurturing and, and stuff like that. Um, but I have to say that I was very not heart centered, very head centered. You were? I, I, I yes, I was, I mean, I'm not sure when that started. <laughs> Probably school had something to do with it, but but I was an excellent student and it ended up being the valedictorian actually in my chiropractic school. Mm -hmm. So everything I knew about chiropractic was what I learned, which unfortunately going to a very mechanistic school was not uh, was not much about chiropractic. <laughs> so um, so I have run actually the full gamut. Uh, I, so I think that's what 
helps me have a perspective also have compassion because no matter what people are going through, I've been there, you know, if they're on that journey from head to heart, I have been in every inch of the way. And I'm not saying I'm all the way there yet, or if anybody really gets all the way there, but I'm much better at popping from one to the other, especially from head to heart. So yeah, I, I think, um, had the seeds of heart centeredness, but it took, I think my wife meeting my wife to, bring that out in me because mm. she she always saw that in me even though because she always had a spiritual or a holistic outlook on life and i used to make fun of her for it but she apparently saw it in me and uh, held that vision for me until i realized it <laughs> so that's interesting um mm-hmm. so it's interesting because you said when you were a child you were like you were the nurturer you had the baby carriage and and whatnot and then um you were head-centered, logical, left-brained, all the things. And then um, somehow along the way, and obviously your wife playing a big part in all of that, you became heart-centered. Now, was there was there something else that happened? Was there anything, like any struggles along the way that kind of, you know, sometimes we go through struggles or dark times or times of loneliness or whatever, where you're forced to get into that space or make any kind of transition? I mean, I, I, you know, like everybody else, I had <clears throat> the Jewish word that I use in this situation, schmutz. I, I, I certainly had schmutz happen in my life, but I don't think it was really anything major that started me on that path. I know there were things that happened along the way that strengthened me on that path or mm. maybe forced me to or, or showed me that the principles I was basing that on were, were true and helpful in every case so mm-hmm. um no i didn't i didn't have like an eckhart totally sort of you know almost mm-hmm. breakdown sort of story as a lot of <laughs> a lot of people seem to have um no in fact i but i think probably from having that seed of nurturing and heart centeredness in me I, I there was always something very unsatisfying about the head stuff even though i was very good at it and on mm-hmm. some levels um, was fulfilling because that's what I was doing. So mm-hmm. to succeed in it was was fulfilling. But I always felt this incredible sort of hole in my chest. Mm-hmm. And so I was three years into chiropractic and was at a Parker seminar, which was the big seminar in those days. In fact, this seminar, there were like 8,000 people. Wow. I was blown away by the energy and the passion. And I remember going home saying, I don't know what I just heard, but I, I want to piece of that. I, I wish I had some of that. Um, and about a year later, I went back to Parker and I heard this gentleman named Dean Black, who was a PhD and used to teach at Parker mm-hmm. uh, College and the seminars. And he started talking about, well, he essentially started talking about quantum physics, I guess. And he was, and his talk was sort of like Bruce Lipton, but a lot slower. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of sort of down home approach. I love Dean Black. He was more my speed. And but he was essentially talking about how everything D.D. Palmer said was being confirmed by new science. And and even though he gave sort of a scientific talk, it reached that hole. It started to fill that hole. And I realized actually in that moment that everything that I had chosen to base my belief system on, meaning head stuff, was not maybe my best choice of things to create a foundation for my life or for um for my choices i don't know if that makes sense yeah 
but uh, it was a big moment. He's talking about like soliton waves and I'm crying. So he's probably, he's probably, I, I don't think he's with us anymore, but if he was, he'd probably still be talking about that guy in the front row crying at his dry uh, quantum physics lecture. But it, it was a big moment for me. It was, it was a huge epiphany and I chose to fill it up, you know, with, and I happened to be at a chiropractic seminar. So it was cool. So that is awesome. And so, so do you feel like that was pivotal? Uh, it sounds like what you are doing now, was that the foundation of it? Was that kind of like the beginning seeds? And that was sort of, I, I would call it the beginning of my remembering <laughs> mm. or my reconnecting to that or my reawakening to what was already in there. That's what it felt like to me. And again, that's, that's the part my wife had a lot to do with nurturing, but yeah, I, started I started going to everything and reading everything uh, that's remotely related to chiropractic philosophy and principle and yeah it was so cool to find out in my own profession something that I resonated so deeply with I just you know I just didn't hear it before <laughs> so what, what was the thing that you learned it ex- well it ex- probably mostly explained to me why um, people didn't seem to care about what I knew or about what I'd learned or about what I could uh, spout. They, they cared a lot more about how I helped them to feel or that there was something much bigger than, <laughs> than my, the facts and all that stuff that was running around in my head. And, yeah. and all. The, so that's probably the biggest thing that there was more to this life than could be isolated in a test tube and proven by double you know, evidence-based. Yeah. Sorry, so another it. another bad word. I need a word like schmutz. For evidence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there is one. Yeah, I'm sure so, there is. <laughs> I want to come back to this because this seems like it was um, pivotal in like what you probably what you teach even right now or the work that you've done over the years. But before we get there, um, is there like a funny story that your uh, about your childhood that your family says about you? It doesn't have to be childhood, but like a funny story about Stu. Funnier than wheeling a baby carriage around with a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny, but it's uh, for some reason what popped into my head is, uh, and, and this was something I remembered, I think, uh, while doing holotropic breath work. I don't know if your listeners know about that, but it's kind of an intense uh, breathing technique that, can bring back in some circles it's called rebirthing because people can re-experience their their birth Mm -hmm. uh anyway i i had this vivid moment of my mother and i I, i'm in a whatever you call it the jail the thing with bars Uh (laughs) a crib a crib that's what it's called god people are people are like god what kind of childhood yeah uh yeah so i'm in my crib and i'm acting out i'm expressing i'm i'm wailing i'm doing something and my mother like looks at me and says, you know, we went through this with your brother. We're not going to go through it with you. <laughs> it's not funny, but, uh, but I really, you know, this came to me years later and it was actually a beautiful sort of explanation of why, you know, cause the reason I think I became head centered is because I was, I got a lot of positive feedback in my neurotic family for being a peacemaker, for not bringing conflict for, uh, for, you know, kind of taking that on. If, if that really happened and mm. was knows. your brother trouble or like was he He was trouble more trouble than me i mean he wasn't, he wasn't. so you had to go under the radar i it was easy to go under the radar because he always had my parents and attention and you, got, yeah, and you also got love and attention probably uh, for being for being you know 
<laughs> even tempered and not expressing a lot and no. yes i got a lot of positive feedback because so okay. so yeah so it was cool to kind of get some understanding of that yeah. uh, anyway i don't know that's far from funny but that's what came that's, to me that's when... <laughs> interesting though now you mentioned playing with the 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 nerd you know having your nurturing character playing with the the doll and stuff so for me and i've mentioned this on other episodes it just came up because it happens to be one of the questions but i actually did not play with dolls barbies like anything house related the only thing i wanted to play with was like cars <laughs> and i had buckets and buckets of cars i don't know what that says about me but uh but yeah that's that's interesting right and i don't really remember this but i know my father especially would sometimes told me the neighbors would sometimes react to my favorite toy in mm -hmm. ways that probably made him uncomfortable. So that was probably the beginning of uh, me being indoctrinated away from, and that and more towards cars mm -hmm. <laughs> and sports and stuff, which got I it. got into because, of course, that's the proper cultural thing. So yeah. there's probably a lot of things that drove me into my head, or at least in that space for sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm curious about your journey in this process. Do you um, have you had like what's been the biggest struggle, the hardest time that you've experienced? It's just in general as a human being, not necessarily in your like career, but in general, what's been the the hardest thing you've ever had to overcome? I'm trying to decide between two, <laughs> I, um, probably, and I think of these two because I think I've made the greatest strides in these. Uh, one was a tendency, a strong tendency towards people pleasing, which I think I've already sort of explained where that mm -hmm. started. And the other was a severe lack consciousness, shall we say. Because okay. you know, my father, again, I don't blame anything on my father. And I don't, I don't blame anything on my parents. Just as an aside, Sigafus ran a personal development workshop, which is where I learned a lot of stuff that I know how to do, um, helping him teach those. But we always had a forgiveness circle. And um you know, I heard a lot of blaming of parents. I heard a lot of blaming of parents for things like they thought I was so good and thought I could do whatever, uh, anything. And I have not lived up to that. So I blame them for, <laughs> I'm like, I would look at my wife because we had a baby then and we'd, and we'd be like, just can't win. You know, you, yeah. it doesn't matter. She's going to be sharing all of her <laughs> things at a forgiveness circle. <laughs> uh, anyway. Where was I? It is Sorry, I should I should never do an aside because I never quite find my way back. <laughs> it's okay, that's why I'm here. Good. So, so you were telling us about your darkest, most struggling. Okay, so my father, he, you know, when I, I had a, a best friend in sixth grade, and she actually moved out of my local area, so I could no longer call her mm -hmm. for free. And my father told me get a get a new friend essentially is what his advice was. So, so anyway, uh, my, my tightness, my, my lack consciousness at least was somewhat because of that, but, but I think I'll talk about the people pleasing thing mm. because that was more of a, a limitation, I think in success and got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so tell us, what was that? That was, and especially, I have to say, before I really embraced chiropractic principles, because I, I didn't really know what I was supposed to be saying to people. But yeah, I would just, I took meet them where they are to extreme levels. It's mm -hmm. like whatever they wanted, 
essentially is what I would do. And, you know, in chiropractic, we can kind of do that because, Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, and I continued to do it a bit after I knew better, so to speak. And so that was a big struggle for me to speak my truth, Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, enter into that realm that I had previously labeled as conflict, which, you know, when I was two years old, I learned, well, I, I know how to deal with that. Just run away, just hide in my room. Just, just, you know, my mom would say, just wait till your dad came home. But, you know, if I hid, she'd forget 95% of the time. So, you know, I learned these strong mechanisms all involving running away, running away from conflict and not speaking up, not speaking my truth. So, yeah. So here I am, a person comes in and, and, and I may have just come back from a seminar all hot about telling everybody the truth. Like, you know, there's no way I'm going to, I'm going to, if they like it, fine. If they don't like it, fine. And it all feels so, uh, you know, right when I'm saying this at a seminar, but then when you're home, uh, you know, and there's nobody, none of your padres around, <laughs> compadres around. It's, it's a bit harder. And I would find myself kind of doing the same thing, but then going into my office and beating myself up because I had made this intention. So this was, this was all pretty hard. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I learned a magnificent tool, if I may share, which made a big difference for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was from Dick Santo, who you know, was a, Another wonderful chiropractor who used to teach at the Sigafoos gathering. He's also passed on. Um, because I would get this this pit in my solar plexus. I would get this tightness right there when I was giving in mm-hmm. or running away from conflict. Mm-hmm. And uh, he taught he taught me to tell that feeling that I loved it. I I love mm-hmm. that feeling. I love that feeling. Because what it really is, is innate intelligence trying to save my life. You know, I convinced that when I was two years old, I needed to run away to save my life. And here it is all these years later, still loving me enough to give me that same message. But I don't have to make that choice. So yeah. I, the, the amazing thing about it, I love this feeling is the feeling goes away. And when the feeling goes away, I don't have to give my attention to the feeling. I could give my attention to my intention which was to speak my truth. And after, uh, and I would practice that. I would practice that in my meditation time, in my visualization time. If I knew I had something like that, some con- some potential conflict or somebody, um, blah, 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 who would, who would maybe otherwise easily knock me out of my heart, I would visualize the whole thing and, you know, stand in my truth and speak speak my truth, which was a lot easier to do and sitting in front of my altar. Mm-hmm. Um, so I practiced that though, because I believe I was rewiring my brain. Yeah. Anyway, that was a big, I, no, I love that. I love that because um, in some ways you're basically dropping the energy that is tied up into that feeling of the, whether it's like the knot in your stomach or, and it could work on anything else. I feel like anytime you give something the energy that sometimes like the way you said it is so much better, but like, sometimes I feel like we give energy to things that they don't really deserve to have energy either. And once you neutralize it or you cut the energy from it or you forgive it or you love it, then it's like, Oh, it doesn't have that, um, that hold on you anymore. Exactly. And especially because usually there's some need it's pointing out. There's some, something important, 
Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe the strategy I've used since I was two is not the most effective strategy or most congruent strategy for me to to deal with that kind of situation now. But again, until I kind of go through that process, mm-hmm. I'm going to like jump in the boat. And if it's on the Mississippi River, the next thing I know, I'm going to be in New Orleans. And it doesn't matter how much I don't want to be in New Orleans. Not that I have anything against New Orleans. It's just a metaphor. Um <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, I, I have to, you have to have the awareness <laughs> yeah. you know, that I got in that same boat. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. And so um, I'm curious if you have like something that uh, all these years with all the work that you have done um, on yourself or for humanity in general and for chiropractors, what is it that like really pisses you off? What is it that annoys you or frustrates you or upsets you? Again, the first thing that popped in my mind was was all the infighting in chiropractic, mm-hmm. especially for talking about chiropractors and chiropractic. Yeah. Um, I heard a speaker a long time ago, so chiropractic's unique because when uh, there's trouble, we circle the wagons and shoot in. Uh, I, I don't I don't get that. I really never gotten that. I mean, I, mean, I, <laughs> I, I certainly I used to judge. Well, I used to judge vitalistic principle chiropractors when I was on that side. And then I had a short sort of hate straight uh, era when I discovered the principle. And, but, but again, the fact that I have been through that whole spectrum allows me to have compassion for every chiropractor. And I, I still believe there's common ground among every chiropractor. We may have to, we may have to work at it to, to find it, but as long as we're stuck on ridiculous things to me, like, you know, our technique, I mean, it's not a ridiculous thing technique, but it's a ridiculous thing to try to unite on, yeah. especially when there's hundreds of techniques in chiropractic. And, you know, as long as we were stuck on, there's only one or, you know, all the things we get stuck on. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that to unite, I mean, that's a whole nother few podcasts, yeah. not even like, <laughs> but it is, um, I feel like as long as you unite on philosophy, it's an easier thing to unite on than technique. Or than maybe, we, yeah, maybe we can even, uh, you know, because when we get into philosophy, there's going to be room for argument sure. <laughs> as well. But but maybe we can unite on the fact that we're all trying to help people. And we're all all like doing the best we can because, you know, even when I was spending half hour and doing physical therapy things on people, because that's what I learned in school. I still had an intention to help that person. I still was doing the best I could. I still consider myself a good person at the time. Right. I mean, imagine if that was common ground like imagine if that's what we united on. Hey, we're all here to help people. We're all trying to heal people one way or another in the best way that we can possibly do it. And our differences can be like just like facets on a diamond. It could be like it's so, so cool that we have so many ways to do uh, that to hopefully bring about the same, you know, intention. So. Yeah, that's probably what has upset me over the years, Maria. Because I, I think if if we somehow could have done that a while ago, these last couple of years might have been a little different uh, in the world and also in chiropractic. But you know, we we just expend so much energy um, fighting among ourselves. How can we ever advance to the level that we, you know, excuse the expression, should? That's not a word I like, but. Yeah. That yeah. we have the potential for, shall we say. Yeah, absolutely. 
Totally agree with that. All right. Well, let's uh, switch gears for a second. I have some questions that are like one word answers. You ready? Yes. Okay. Do you have a childhood nickname? And if so, what was it? Little bit. Little bit. (laughs) I love that. Um, What kind of car do you drive, Stu? I drive a 2017 Toyota Highland. All right. Cool. And recently purchased Ford camper van. Oh, okay. Which has been getting a lot of driving time these past this past month. Okay, awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. And what was your very first job? I sat in a what was called then a beauty parlor mm-hmm. in New York City and would run to the luncheonette for coffee or sandwiches for the ladies if they uh wanted it so i was i was surviving solely on tips and the first day i made about six bucks i was thrilled and the second day i made about 38 cents and quit it was also about two thousand degrees in this place it's the middle of summer anyway anyway i I inhaled more toxic fumes in those two days than i ever wanted to in my life (laughs) that was my first job and it was all uh uphill from there i guess you'd say Okay. Well, yeah, there's only up to go from there (laughs) from what you're describing. Yes. Um, And then last question, who's been the biggest influence in your life? Well, toss up between my dad and my and Sigafus. If you pick one. I guess it's a chiropractic podcast, so I'll say Sigafus. Because, you know... My lexicon, my 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 chiropractic mode of communication, a lot of his examples and a lot of his teachings, I, I have formed the foundation. Mm, okay. And there's probably not a day that goes by that I don't think about him or or remember, you know, that what I was about to say is is something okay. I heard from him. Or, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's- yeah. That sounds about right. Sounds and he's also very inspiring uh, since I knew him so well to know that uh, deep down, and I don't know how many people at this point have even heard of him. I'm hoping most of you have, but um, he was kind of like me. He was borderline shy. He was a bit of an introvert. He needed a lot of long time to recharge. You know, you would never know from his screaming, ranting. Uh, (laughs) um, But when I found that out, I had so much even more respect because I used to, I used to think he was God and just put him up on a pedestal. You know, then I found out he could be just as much of a jerk as, as you know, you or I at times. And, uh, but, but again, instead of like diminishing him in my mind, that, that, lifted him up even more because he, he was just like everybody he was just you know he had all the same stuff and he went through all the same struggles in fact everything he talked about i always had the feeling he was still working on and i you know and i love that i i never felt like okay here I, i've arrived on the top of the mountain and this is how you get up here with me um Okay. Anyway, I, I that was a big that was a big influence. On That's me. good to hear because there is there are not a lot of chiropractors who had that kind of an influence. And even in today's world, I feel like our leaders now are way different than how they have been. Like Sigafus still has impact in today's world. I, you know, I'm a I I hear it even from recent grads that I'm in touch with. So cool. That's, that's good a beautiful thing. Yeah. So um Stu, we're going to finish up here, but can you, would you let everybody know what is it that you are up to these days? What's exciting? Do you have any projects coming up? And then of course, how could people get in touch with you? What's the best way for people to get in touch? 
I mean, I, I, besides the things you mentioned, I, I'm really excited because we're going to be in Europe for over a month um, this fall, starting with Cairo Europe in Spain. And I'm going to do a couple of chiropractic from the heart workshops and then ending up in, in Birmingham in the UK at, a, at the UCA's uh, what's called chiropractic essentials that I spoke at in 1999 with Sigafoos. I think it was the first one ever. Wow. So it's always been near and dear to my heart. So yeah, that's personally, you know, particularly exciting because I haven't been to Europe now since October of 19 for reasons we're not going to get into. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's, yeah, doubly exciting. Um, other than that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, grateful for the last couple of years because I started doing a bunch of Zoom. We do this thing called the Warrior Circle every Thursday. I'm sure I gave you the link. It's in the it's in the podcast notes. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm back to speaking every week and that's pretty cool. And hmm. Is that something that's open to everybody or is that a membership thing? No, it's open. It's free. It's uh, okay. We have this solid. We've been doing it since early on in, in the Unmentionable. And um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I think it's really helped develop my skills even, or my ability to, let's say, hold space even more, needing to learn how to do it on Zoom yeah. and stuff. Uh, I'm super excited about the live events to put mm -hmm. that into into practice. But yes, everybody's welcome to join us. It's 1230 in California okay, every Thursday, and so you can figure it out from there. Yeah, yeah, and I will definitely check it out, and I encourage everybody to check it out. I'm sure after getting to know you, they would they would want to. And hope so. You're more than welcome. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, and I'm super excited. Maybe we'll run into each other in uh, in Europe, if not in the states, because I <laughs> I'm doing some of those events coming up. So it's it's it will be fun to to catch up there. And thank you again. I know you're super busy, so I appreciate you giving me this time mm. and our. Uh, right. In the summertime, I'm super busy, mostly like hiking and camping. So yes, I, I, that was a bit of sarcasm when I said sounds like a busy guy. But yeah, it's amazing what you can uh, get accomplished. Well, so, busy so living life. Too. Busy That's living important. Life. That's just as important as like getting on a podcast and doing this. I agree. I don't think I could do it without. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're on the same page. And thank you. Beautiful. Thanks for all you do. It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. You as well. Um, awesome. Well, well, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know that you did. And as I did as well, I encourage you to click on the link and check out all the great things that Stu has coming up. And I um, just stay tuned for the next episode. Watch us on here or listen to it wherever you are. And we'll see you on the next episode of um, Secret Lives of Chiropractors. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.